Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's the, uh, it's 150 years ago, uh, last month, um, uh, President Abraham Lincoln was uh, assassinated mm-hmm. at the Ford Theater. It was on, actually, it was on April the 14th, uh, 1865, exactly 150 years ago. And then uh, uh, his body was shipped um, by carriage from uh, Washington, D.C., all the way to uh, Springfield, Illinois, where, um, where he was uh, buried. And... Um, this was, even though it was obviously way before my lifetime, although my kids think I was alive when Lincoln was alive, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I'm that old. <laughs> um, this was, this was, to me, this was the, the greatest American uh, uh, up until now. I mean, he was, uh, he was the per- person who was personally responsible for getting the 13th Amendment passed, um, for ending slavery, for, uh, you know, getting the union back together and, and so on. And, uh, just a giant of a man in every way, both, both physically and spiritually and in every way. And I've always, always been fascinated by uh, Abraham Lincoln. I've read a lot of the biographies of him. I've, I've studied him. I've gone to Springfield and, and, uh, been to the places where he was as a young man and been to where he is buried and, and, um, <clears throat> You know, he's just uh, a giant of, of a human being in my life. Um, it's just every once in a while, it's in, a, in a generation, someone will come along who will make a huge, huge impact on, uh, on what is going on in the world. And if it wasn't for Lincoln, uh, this, uh, this, we would really be looking at two countries right now. We would have the Confederate States and we would have the Northern States. And uh, it was only because of uh, his tenacity and his work. And if you haven't seen the film, that Steven Spielberg. Have you seen uh, the film uh, Lincoln? Have no. You seen it yeah, yet? yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was, good. But that, that was really about all of the sort of the machinations and the things they had to do in order to get uh, that 13th Amendment passed and, right. uh, and all the work that they had to do and how, to, how a very uncooperative Congress and yeah. how the South was so opposed to it and so on. But, the, but Lincoln was so, so much more than that. And then on the 14th of April at the Ford Theater, um, uh, he was uh, assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. And there was a man um, um, who was a great poet. Um, his name is Walt Whitman. Uh, Walt Whitman was a contemporary of, uh, of, of Lincoln's. He lived in New, in New York. In fact, he lived in, uh, in, in Huntington, New York, um, which is exa- where I lived, out on Long Island uh, many years ago. I had, in fact... Um, I had a, a bank account at the Walt Whitman Savings and Loan, and uh, and I and I used to go to the places where where Whitman, who was a, a poet, who was a poet who, um, in his lifetime, was not really that well accepted. It was only after he died, like so many great artists and, and, and poets and and, uh, and musicians and so on, they're not so much recognized in their lifetime. Um, he was. Um, he was just one of my all-time favorite uh, poets. I read all, all of Leaves of Grass. Um, <clears throat> I just loved I loved his approach to life. Um, and, and this was where, now we're talking Rocky back in the uh, in the 19th century, in the early part of the 19th century, in the 1820s and 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, uh, he uh, <clears throat> he was a vagabond. He he would work in New York City and. Uh, uh, and he would write this poetry, and nobody would understand it. And he would write about his own personal feelings, because a lot of people uh, don't know that uh, 
you know, Whitman, a lot of people think that Whitman was a homosexual. Uh, mm -hmm. Some say yes, some say no. It's like it's never, he never really came out and said, but I suppose in those days, those things weren't even talked about. But right. um, anyway, he, um, so when Lincoln died, um, he was just heartbroken. Um, and this is, this is America's, you know, he and Emily Dickinson were the, probably the two premier poets of the, uh, of the 19th century. Um, and <clears throat> he, uh, w he went to the Lincoln's second inaugural in 1864. Um, he was just, he just loved the man and, um, you know, was deeply affected by his, uh, by his being assassinated. And when we were, um, uh, when we were driving from uh, Edmonton, we went to Edmonton and then went to Ottawa. And then in Ottawa, um, instead of flying, we took a uh, we drove. We drove from Ottawa to Montreal. We were driven there. And I'll, along the way, um, and now this is right. Just the, the, I'd just been thinking about Lincoln and the 150th anniversary of his uh, of his death and so on. And um, as we were driving along the highway between uh, Ottawa and Montreal, all of a sudden I spotted some um, lilacs, um, these beautiful uh, purple flowers. If you grew up in the Midwest and in, in, in a place where they have cold climate, where, where <clears throat> four seasons, um, every year in May or so, there is um, these lilacs that are blooming. And, and I lived in an, in an orphanage until I was 10 years of, old, of age in uh, Mount Clemens, Michigan. And <clears throat> along the driveway leading up to the home where we lived, where my brother and I lived, um, on the left side, there was all these lilac trees, uh, and every May, um, Whitman called them the the symbols of eternal springtime. Did, do you know? What, did you ever grow up with lilacs, Rocky? Do you remember no, them at all? No, uh -uh. no. You grew up in California, didn't you? No, nope, south, deep south. Oh, okay. So they wouldn't have it there because nope. of the climate. So they only grow in uh, northern kind of climates, but Canada and, and western. Uh, 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 North Midwest, um, <clears throat> and they're the most beautiful, fragrant flowers. And every time I smell a, vi a lilac or see a lilac, I'm reminded of uh, w of that long row of trees that would led up to the orphanage. And on the right side were little flowers called the lilies of the valley, and uh, they are, um, you know, the very, very fragrant as well. So the smell of lilacs. There's some things that happen when you're, you know, when you're. Uh, when you're a kid, and then you, as you get to be, uh, as you get older, you look back at, and it, it will instantly take you back and remind you of something, you know, what your life was like. So every time I smell a lilac, I see myself running along that that uh, driveway, right. leading up into the home where uh, where so many kids, have, so, so many of us lived. And I used to take uh, and break off one little sprig of the uh, lilacs, and um, and I would take it up uh, when I where I would sleep. We I slept in a, a bunk bed way at the very top. I think there were like six uh, rows, uh, and I slept at the very top. And I would take that up there, and I would just lay there at night and smell them. So while we were driving along, I saw the lilacs, and I I, I was with uh, my you know Maya, of course. I was with Maya and uh, uh, <clears throat> and my daughter Sky, and. Um, I, I, we jumped out of the car and I ran across the freeway and I went over to saw these wild uh, growing lilac and I grabbed a big branch of them and brought it back to the car and I put them uh, when I got back to the when I got to the hotel in Montreal I put them in a vase and I just kept them I was there for like four days mm -hmm. and I was smelling these lilacs <clears throat> and it reminded me of Walt Whitman and that's just why I just wanted to share that with you especially the tribute um, that he made to uh, to Abraham Lincoln. He wrote a poem 
that I um, studied when I was in college and in high school, and uh, it was called When Lilacs Last in the Dooryard Bloomed by Walt Whitman. And, um, and he used the lilac as the symbol of the, of the eternal springtime. It starts out, When lilacs last in the dooryard bloomed, and the great star early drooped in the western sky in the night, I mourned, and yet still mourn, with every returning spring, ever returning spring, Trinity, sure to me you bring, lilacs blooming perennial, and drooping star in the west, and thoughts of him I love. And the poem, it's a long poem, I haven't, I can't do it all, I'm thinking about recording it, um, um, because it's, uh, you know, and making it available to people, it's such a beautiful, and it's the story of a bird, a thrush, who is flying along the uh, the route between uh, Washington D.C. and Springfield, Illinois, and the bird is observing all of the people and the sadnesses, and the, wow. you know that such a such a great man had been uh, felled, and um, and then at the end, there's another poem that he wrote about Lincoln, and this is one I want to share, and you may have heard of this one. It's called "Oh Captain, My Captain," and. Uh, um, when I got back to the hotel, it's uh, in, in Montreal, and I put those uh, lilacs in the in the uh, vase next to my next to my bed, and I sat there smelling them. I had memories of going back to the 1940s, when I was just a little boy and uh, didn't know who Abraham Lincoln was. Uh, and then later, when I studied this poem, and studied the great Walt Whitman, whose uh, whose life I I feel. Um, I feel very, very, very connected to. I lived right, right, very near where he was as a young man, and and felt the agony that he must have felt at uh, not being accepted for who he was. I just sat there and I and I went on. I googled uh, when lilacs last in the dooryard bloomed, and I listened to a great uh, uh, English uh, uh, actor um, reading that entire poem. The poem is, it takes about 25 minutes to read it. It's uh, and it's just the story of all of the people told through the eyes of a bird flying above um, all of the deep, deep sadness and regret about uh, how we lose the greatest of all of them. And then he wrote, <clears throat> O Captain, my Captain. O Captain, <clears throat> O Captain, my Captain, our fearful trip is done. The ship has weathered every rack. The prize we sought is won. The port is near, the bells I hear, the people all exulting while follow eyes the steady lead, the vessel gain and daring. But, O oh heart, 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 O oh the bleeding drops of red, where on the deck my captain lies, fallen, cold, and dead. O oh captain, my captain, rise up and hear the bells. Rise up for you, the flag is flung, for you, the bugle thrills. For you, bouquets and wreaths, for you, the shores are crowding. For you they call, the swaying mass, their eager faces turning. O oh, Captain, dear father, this arm beneath your head, it is some dream that on the deck you've fallen cold and dead. <clears throat> my captain does not answer, his lips are pale and still. My father does not feel my arm, he has no pulse nor will. The ship is safe and sound, its voyage closed and done. From fearful trip, the victor ship comes in with object one. Exult, O shores, and ring, O bells. But I, with silent tread, walk the spot my captain lies, fallen cold and dead.
To find out more about Dr. Wayne Dyer or any other Hay House author, please visit hayhouse.com. Thank you for listening.